0: In Matthew 419, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Danzi, and we are in for a treat. It's uh, the COVID-19 quarantine... uh, world dilemma that we're all in and so we are uh, making the best of it and we're making the best of it today with my good friend rob Vaca. hey
0: rob it is super great to be with you mark from afar be better to better be sitting across from you but this is uh the next best opportunity we got
1: and it's a good one and we appreciate you uh coming on you now you're uh, locked in your house i'm locked in my house <laughs> how you making the how you making it
0: I've found new parts of my home that I didn't know existed. (laughs) I, I've found spots that I like and I've sort of hunkered down and I've staked my claim to. And I usually try to get here first so that one of the kids doesn't stake their claim to the, uh, it's not really a man cave. It's an all family cave. And so this is my spot.
1: I got you. So you've claimed, at least you've claimed it for this morning. I'm a witness to that. (laughs) Well, I want to say thank you again for joining us. Um, Rob, tell us, I know you're a man of faith. There's no doubt about that. Anybody that knows you uh, knows that. But just tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to really trust in Jesus.
0: Yeah, I'll do it in in an abbreviated fashion, which is uh, of my nature because I'm from New Jersey. And if anybody knows New Jersey, it's usually people that talk fast, have a funny accent, and um, come from that great white north. It's great to be here in Atlanta now after 22 years, I think. Okay. So I was born in New Jersey. I was born into a Roman, a really strong Roman Catholic family and started out going to elementary school at Our Lady Star of the Sea in Bayonne, New Jersey, where the nuns ruled the roost. I have indentations in my knuckles to prove it.
1: <laughs> so that's true. They really hit you on the knuckles, huh?
0: Uh, absolutely. If if you, if you thought that was folklore, you're wrong. <laughs> Real. I didn't imagine it. And uh, those were really formative years for me growing up in New Jersey, in the Roman Catholic diocese, in a school of nuns. And quick, funny story. I was in the second grade. You can't forget this. I was very very um, naive, obviously in the second grade. I was this skinny kid with glasses and freckles and a bowl haircut. And some older kids were in the lunchroom, and they called me over, and I sat down at the table. And the table was one of these rounds, you know, eight top round tables. It was not covered in a tablecloth; it was just the sort of particle board table at the time. And there was there were there were words written all over the table, and there was this word. It was a four letter word. I'd never seen it before. It began with an F. And this kid said to me, hey, what does that say? And here I was studious and able to read and pretty proud of the fact that I could identify words and I sounded it out. And I I said what I what what it was. And I said it at a, a normal tone and. He said to me, No, 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 say it louder. And I said it louder, and he'd go, Say it really loud. And I yelled it. Holy and I got tackled Lord. by four nuns. <laughs> and so that was my, uh, that was really my first experience as to the power of the nunhood.
1: <laughs> and you've never forgotten it, apparently, right?
0: I've never forgotten that moment.
1: Well, growing up Catholic, uh, I, I never did, and I have a lot of good Catholic friends. Um, They did have a different experience, I think, than a lot of us who were Protestant, huh?
0: For sure. So, so fast forward, we moved from Northern Jersey to Central Jersey. I I was still a practicing Catholic, but we went to public school. I went to CCD and what they call catechism class, and you know, the early days of my faith walk really felt like uh, a bit of a quarantine. You know, I think it's a good Hmm. it's a good analogy. I felt like those early days; it was you know, Christianity to me was a subject, like math or English or social studies. It was a subject, and I felt like I, it was my duty to study it and to learn it. And so study it and learn it, I did. But I never really in those early days developed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, didn't really understand what it meant to go deep. Of course, I was young, but didn't really understand the relationship part. So it was a subject for a lot of years for me until I moved to Atlanta in 1998, and I looked for a church down here, and ultimately I found Peachtree Road United Methodist Church, and that's really what got me into the Methodist faith, and went there because I, had, I was living inside the perimeter at the time, and my faith life started to uh, get more personal. And now, then in- let me ask you a
1: question there, Rob. What was it that causes this young... Uh, transplant to another city with no real personal relationship with Jesus. What is it that causes you to walk into a a church like Peachtree Road Methodist?
0: No, I I, I felt like coming to Atlanta was a fresh start, not because I needed one, but it was one. Right, I, I moved from New Jersey to Atlanta. Very big shift. Shifted careers. I was with a big oil company at the time. I I was becoming more entrepreneurial, and in my mind. I did go to a Catholic church in Dunwoody a few times, but I felt the same sort of ritualistic approach that I felt in New Jersey. And I really wanted to step out and, and explore and find out if there was something more. And so that's what led me to walk into, I think it was a buddy said to me, hey, why don't you try my church? And, okay. did. and I just felt a different energy. I felt a different alive ability, if that's even a word. Yeah, it and is now. And I, I, you know, I was longing for more. I was thirsty for more. So yeah. that's how I came to get there. And, you know, in 1999, uh, I found out I was diagnosed with cancer. And yeah. it was that crisis moment, that adversity yeah. that really supercharged my relationship and my journey with Christ.
1: Now, how old were you at the time?
0: I was 31. Wow. And I can remember it vividly because you remember these moments. It was July 14th. 1999. It was two weeks to the day that I purchased my first home in Atlanta. It was a brand new home inside the perimeter on Chamblee Dunwoody Road. I was single at the time. I was working out six days a week. I was really uh, focused on health. I, I wasn't, I, I'd never used drugs. I'd never smoked. I was a casual uh, social drinker. I uh, was a pescatarian at the time. So I was really focused on, on health and wellness. And here you go at 31 being diagnosed with cancer and being given a 50, 50 shot by the doctor. Hmm. And it was, it was that moment that I made a decision really to lean in to my relationship with Christ. And And I literally, what I got back was, was immense. I got the Holy spirit really coming around me. And I felt, I felt the Holy spirit with me every step of the way. I, I chose to be grateful instead of resentful, I chose clearly with help from the Holy Spirit to think about abundance, possibility, and hope as opposed to what if and why me. And the result was miraculous. Fast forwarding to Thanksgiving of 1999, I had gone through four chemotherapy regimens of the six that they had prescribed. I was coming up on what was going to be 30 days straight of radiation. And the doctors called me it was around Thanksgiving of 1999. I was I was traveling because I didn't want to change things up. I wanted to keep with the routine. They called and said, look, it's kind of a miracle. We, we really don't even understand it. Usually with tumors that are grapefruit-sized in origin and, and soft tissue, you end up with a walnut or at least a, a hazelnut-sized mass that's benign but stays around, and, and we can't find any trace of this softball-sized tumor that you had just a few months ago. We we feel like it's... So in that moment, I just hung up the phone. I was in a hotel. I was in a hotel gym at the time in Philadelphia. I I hung up the phone. I was in this gym by myself. It was probably nine o'clock at night. I just wept, tears of joy and gratitude (laughs) because I felt, I really felt the Holy Spirit was with me.
1: Hallelujah. God is a healing God, isn't he? And so he takes you, this young man Um, who... All um, the
0: time, every
1: day. Yes, yes, yes. He takes you, this young man who's uh, got it all, apparently by the world's standards, and takes you through this uh, experience uh, where at the end you find him. I love what you said, you found abundance, possibility, and hope in the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of Romans 5 where it says that hope, you know, adversity leads to hope and hope does not disappoint. I love that. I love that verse. So now you uh, you have amplified your faith in Christ through this crisis— and um, you're continuing to rock on. Where is it that you found that you're uh, and how is it that you found your faith to really become the bedrock of how you live now?
0: You know, I call it I liken it to a toolbox. You know, if you think about your home, the joke is right that a lot of us aren't very handy and I'm not I'm not typically any different. I'm probably in the middle of the road. So I, I do know what is and I know what a screwdriver is and I can use pliers and an Allen wrench and a drill right? But if you think about a toolbox, you want to keep your house, your physical home in good working order. Mm-hmm. I think this is an appropriate discussion and topic because right now in this stay-at-home order, we're in week, is this week three? I yeah, have no three. idea. <laughs> it's week three, right? It's week three. My, my my lack of shaving and lack of hair product that I've used indicates that it could be week 100, <laughs> but it's week, it's week three. And people are probably doing some things inside the house Mm -hmm. to to, pass some time outside of the work they're doing or telecommuting or spending time with family. And I think a lot of us have a physical toolbox. We don't have a psychological, spiritual, and mindset-based toolbox, Mm. which I personally believe is more important. So over the years, as we've led to this moment, I have built up a toolbox because I believe that, What's missing for a lot of people is clarity and direction. Mm -hmm. Clarity and direction are so paramount. Mm -hmm. You could have the greatest intentions. You could be a believer. Mm -hmm. You could be faithful. You could be hopeful. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have clarity and you don't have a direction that you're heading in and a compass you're using, it's very, very hard to feel like you're making any strides. It's very hard to feel like your relationship is growing. It's very hard to feel like you're making an impact on the world. So I've just, over the years, I've amassed this toolbox and I'm going to share with you some of the tools instead of a hammer, a screwdriver, a wrench, pliers, an Allen wrench, a drill. I've used things like the 40 day joy challenge from Tommy Newberry. Ah. I've used things like the small group, the small group that I'm in with, in this case, uh, Alan White in uh, in past years, I've been in different small groups. The very first small group I was ever in at Mount Pisgah was with Alan Hunt. And that was probably, shoot, 15, 17 years ago. Or so. From a book standpoint, I use the Bible, but I also use other books to support the Bible. Mm-hmm. I use the 4-8 wow. Principle by Tommy Newberry. It has changed my life. Combined with the 40-Day Joy Challenge, which this isn't an advertisement. I'm not involved with Tommy no, at all. Go but ahead. Now. I just noticed that you know I've paid anywhere between 50 and 100 dollars for the joy challenge in the past and right now because of the current you know stay at home fog that we're all in I noticed the other day that Tommy's offering it complimentary on his website which is just joychallenge.com mm, that's and there's great. a code there I think the code is think think48 48, obviously 48 principle think48 mm-hmm. so this 40 day joy challenge the the 48 principle book the bible a book called Atomic Habits, Physical Activity Every Day. Now, a podcast now tell me called, one more
1: time what the name of that book was, Atomic Habits?
0: Atomic Habits by That's, James Clear.
1: And tell, tell us a little bit about Atomic it's Habits. All,
0: it's all about activity and forming the right habits.
1: Ah, that sounds very interesting.
0: You need to get physical activity. You can't just get emotional, mental activity. You need physical activity. Mm-hmm. For me... While I try to work out because I have an elliptical at home and some weights, there's lots of things you can do if you don't have a a weight room at home. Bands cost $12 at Target.com online. You can (laughs) use bands. You can do sit-ups. You can walk in your neighborhood. The doors are not padlocked. They may be metaphorically, but they're not physically padlocked. Mm -hmm. And there's a podcast that's amazing. You just heard a podcast from John Brankus, who's the founder and host of ESPN Sports Science. He happens to be one of my best friends, and his podcast is called Brink of Midnight, all about the moments that changed everything for you. The Brink of Midnight. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciplemakers podcast.